Folks, we're doing a series called Passing Through. It kind of comes from the concept where Peter begins his epistle here, 1 Peter, by referring to his readers as pilgrims, strangers, who are, are passing through in this life. And, and really, that's what we are as believers. Yes, you are a part of Clearfield County. You live in Clearfield County, or maybe you're a part of Clearfield or Kerwinsville, and this is where you've been all your life, or you just moved here or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, ultimately, when you think about life and eternity, you're only here for just a short period of time. You're only passing through. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there is something far more for you later on. And because of that, because you are a stranger here, as a follower of Jesus, he gives you things for you to live the life that he wants you to live here. But here's the problem. The problem is that for a lot of believers, we understand salvation. We understand that it's by faith. It's not what I do for salvation. It's what Jesus has done for me. And I put my trust in Christ and I'm saved. But that's as far as it goes as far as the Christian life. We don't really have any concept beyond that about how we should be living our lives. And we become defeated by our sin. We think that God doesn't accept us because of our sin and the things that we do. We struggle. And we kind of feel like we're left on our own to go through life. And life is difficult, right? We've talked about that already as we've gone through the first chapter. Life is difficult. But the reality is, is that God doesn't leave you that way. He gives you what you need to know to live the life that he wants you to live while you're here. But the sad fact is, is that a lot of us actually live our life in ignorance. Now, if you look on the back of your bulletin, I've, I've given you some fill-in-the-blank sections there. And so I just want to point out a couple of things about this ignorance that we're dealing with here. Here's how most believers live. And I know this because I once lived my life like this. Okay? We have a tendency to live life by going with the flow. We have a tendency to live life by going with the flow. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, your day usually is dictated by whatever your schedule is. Maybe you've got a work schedule, and you have to do certain things at a certain time. You've got to be here for appointments. You've got this work to do. Your day is also dictated by stuff that happens around you that is forcing you to do things. So like if it's winter outside and we have snow, sometimes the weather forces us to change our day. But typically we go through life with a flow of how our day goes. And to be honest with you, you can actually go through life without thinking very much. Because some of you, your life is so routine, Monday's this, Tuesday's this, Thursday's this, in the afternoons I'm taking the kids here for this, and you know, they got to do this in the morning and this in the evening, and that's the summer, and you know, it's, you can just kind of go through life going with the flow, and a lot of us, can I be honest with you, that's how we live our Christian lives. We go with the flow. We go with the flow, can I bet, it's not based just on what our schedule is, we go with the flow based upon our feelings. How I'm feeling that day. Whether or not I woke up perky or chipper in the morning. 
Some of you are not morning people. You never wake up perky or chipper in the morning, right? And you kind of go with the flow. And going with the flow also means that you kind of go with the flow of where the culture is going. What the culture thinks that you should be saying is correct or not correct. What the culture is saying that you should respond this way or not respond that way. And so for a lot of us, we kind of go through the flow. Now here's the problem. The problem is, that's not what God created you to do. He didn't create for you just to kind of live your life mindlessly going with the flow of everything that's stimulating you around you. He actually has a purpose for you. He actually has something that he wants for you to accomplish now. He actually has given you things for you to live the life that he wants you to live. He wants you to live in victory. So stop for a moment. When you think about it, think about it for a moment about the sin that you always give in to. You don't need to think too hard about that. I don't know what it is, but you know. All of us here are human beings, so there's one tendency that all of us have to do, and we know that it's not something that we should be doing. We know that it's something that we know that God doesn't want us to do. And you have a tendency to always fall into that, right? Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. Okay. How did that happen? Because we go with the flow. We go with the flow. So a lot of us are going with the flow. We live defeated lives. We have no expectation of God doing anything in our lives. And that's where we're at. Now, I'm going to make the point that I've made for the last four weeks. And it's true even to this point today. You will never rise above your perception of yourself. You never rise above it. When you look at Scripture and you look, especially we're going to look at a passage today where he says, be holy as I am holy. That's a pretty high standard, right? Be holy as I am holy. Would you say that the standard of holiness that God has is pretty high? Yeah, I'd say that's pretty, pretty high. Can we achieve that? No, not on earth, okay? It's not possible, but yet that's the standard God's laying out there for us, and, but yet if we go with the flow, we're never going to make that standard. We're not going to rise above it. And so we kind of go on living our life in ignorance. But God doesn't want you to be ignorant. In fact, he gives you the word of God for a reason, not just to tell you what not to do, but tell you how to live your life the life that he gave you, the life that he wanted you to have. And that's what we're going to see today in our passage. We're going to look specifically at verses 13 through 16. And, and, and I've been thinking about these verses for the last four days. These are powerful verses if you understand what he's saying. And I'm going to help you to understand. So look with me, verse 13. Here's what he says. Therefore, gird up your loins... The, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Holy. 
All right, now what's going on here? Well, we're going to actually see a couple of things here. We're going to see how you and I need to take control. See, when you go with the flow, who's in control? The flow. The flow. But you and I have to make the decision to take control. Then what we're going to see is that he moves into the issue of personal holiness. Now, when I say that, can I be honest with you? Some of you immediately are going to be like, oh my goodness, did he use that word? Holiness? Now, why would they cringe? Maybe some of you aren't aware of it, but years ago, maybe some of you were old enough to remember being in a church or know of churches where personal holiness was stressed all the time. And what I mean by that is when they stressed personal holiness, they gave you a huge list of what you could and could not do. It usually meant a list of rules. Now, do you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know what I'm talking about now? Okay. So the rules would include you can't go to a restaurant that serves alcohol. You can't park out in front of the liquor store here in town for fear that somebody might see, think that you were actually in that liquor store. You think they would have a rule about that? Oh, yeah, they'd have a rule about that. You can't go to a certain restaurant. I've already told you that. You can't go to the movie house. What's a movie house? That's the term they used to say for a theater. You can't go to the movies. You can't watch certain programs on TV. I've had a gentleman tell me you can't go to a VCR rental place. What's a VCR? Excuse me, a DVD rental place, right? If I said beta, you wouldn't even really know what that is, right? Think about all of this. You have to dress a certain way. You have to, personal holiness. But we're going to see that that's not what he's talking about here. So don't be fearful. I'm not going there. But I'm going to go where the scripture takes us. So we're going to talk about taking control. And we're going to talk about personal holiness. All right, let's talk about taking control. He says it right here in verse 13. This one verse talks about taking control. And we're going to see that he's going to tell us to take control in three areas. Now he starts off by saying, gird up the loins of your mind. Hold on, hold on a second, George. What in the world is he talking about there? Gird up the loins of our mind. We don't even use that kind of language today. Gird up the loins. What is that? Well, if you remember, in their culture, dudes did not wear pants. Okay? In their culture, they wore robes or dresses. Yes, Tom. You're saying, what? Yeah, yes. Okay. They wore robes, and they would go down to their ankles. Now, guys, have you ever run in a dress <laughs> that goes down to your ankle? You ever run? No. There, there's just no way to do it. And they didn't back then. That's when they said you needed to gird up your loins. So how would they do that? They, well, they would reach down between their legs and grab a hold of the hem and bring it up and tuck it into their belt. So then it would be like they had a pair of pants on. And you can what? Run. Now, do you understand what it means to gird up your loins? It means to take control. It means to take control. 
And you're going to see three things here. Let me read the passage to you again. I'm going to show you the three things. And I'm going to talk about these today because this is relevant to you and I. Because I was thinking over the last three days, I said, you know, I'm preaching this passage, but this is relevant to me. Listen to what he says. Therefore, gird up your loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the three things. Number one, you have to take action to prepare your mind for the day. You have to take action to prepare your mind for the day. Remember I told you we're used to routines, we're used to going with the flow. When you go with the flow, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like when I get up in the morning and I'm going with the flow, I have my routine down. I do the same thing every morning. I can almost guarantee you that a lot of you are doing the same thing every morning. In fact, if something's out of place in the morning, like maybe the kids move something and you can't find what you normally grab a hold of. Your co favorite coffee cup didn't get washed. Or maybe it got used to have paints in it or something because of kids. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, oh, my coffee mug. I don't even know where there's another coffee mug in the house. And you got a whole cabinet full. But your routine's been messed up. Well, what's going on there? You just kind of go with the flow. You don't even think about it. Because you don't have to think much. And if you think about a day by day that we go through, you don't even need to think much. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. When you think about the sin that you constantly are giving into, I can almost guarantee you, you're not thinking much. You're just going with what your body wants to do. And what he's saying here now is, is you need to take action. You need to gird up your loins to prepare your mind each day. Now, you say, that's wonderful, George. Are you sure about that? Hey, I'm going to tell you something. This whole concept of getting control of your mind is throughout the New Testament. Throughout the New Testament. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to the image of this world, but be what? Transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Listen to this. I was just reading this while we were singing today. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Well, actually, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Listen to verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's bringing every thought into obedience. That's saying you've got to take control. You've got to take control of the way you're thinking. Listen, folks, I'm not telling you something new. Listen, if you've had any dealings with anybody who's had any kind of an addiction problem, which isn't that really an issue in our community now? And all of us have maybe had someone who has struggled with addictions of some type, what do we tell them to do? Quit hanging out with the same people you're always hanging out with, right? Change your routines. Quit hanging around the influences. Why? You want them to break the flow of where they're just kind of mindlessly going into whatever they're going into and finding themselves back into the same problem again. You want them to what? 
take control of their what, folks? Minds. This is what he's saying here. Jesus Christ gave you hope. He didn't just give you hope. He gave you a new life, a new identity. He told you that life is going to be tough, but you just wait. You hold on to him. He's told us already that he's given us the word that you can be sure about. That's where your hope rests. So now, as you live in your life in this world, you take control of your mind because you need to so that you can live differently. Take control of your mind. Nobody else can do that for you. You're the only one who can do that. So that's why in Philippians he talks about whatever is pure, whatever is holy, think on those things. Why? Because it's your mind. You feed your mind with garbage, guess what? Garbage is going to come out. Do you know what I'm saying? But if you feed your mind on what's right, you're going to be encouraged to do what's right. So that's the first one. You have to take action to prepare your mind. Here's the other one. You have to take action to be in control of yourself. When you're going with the flow, I can almost guarantee you, you are not in control. Your body is in control. When you're going, if you're not thinking about what you're doing, you're just going to go with it. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, you're like, my body's in control. My, no, my body's never in control. I'm in control of my body. Really? You ever been outside, sitting by the fire? Out here at Kermansville Dam? And you know that there's a little pesky little thing that flies around Kermansville Dam that bothers everybody. It's called a mosquito. And you don't even have to think about it because you're just sitting there, you're enjoying the time, you're maybe making a mountain pie, roasting a hot dog, and that flies around. You love that sound, right? Especially if you go to bed out there and you don't have a net, right? And, and it, here it is, it lands, and it's biting you. You don't even have to think about it. You naturally reach over and go whack, crash it into your body, right? Because you are reacting. Your body is in control. Your body's doing, you don't even need to think about it. The only thing you think about is, is, is did I smush it on my arm? That's the way we are. We function in life that way. We don't think a lot. We just respond to our desires. So he says here in this passage, he says the word, be sober. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, that word sober in the New Testament means more than just abstaining from alcohol. It means being in control of yourself. Now, we use it in our culture to mean abstaining from drugs or alcohol, right? But it's so much more than that. It means abstaining from giving in to the desires of your life of your flesh and doing what you want to just do because you're just kind of going along with the flow. So you have to take control of yourself. Now, here's the third thing that you have to take control of. You have to take action with. You have to take action to rest your hope on the fulfillment of your salvation. This is so important. In fact, I would say without this, you really can't do the other two. Look at what he says here. Verse 13. 
and rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, what is this grace that's to be brought to us? Well, that grace that is to be brought to us is when you and I finally experience salvation in its fullness. What does that mean? Well, now we've experienced salvation because we've been accepted by God, we've been forgiven, but salvation in its fullness is coming is when what? We receive a new body, we go to be with him, this body that is controlled by carnal desires is cast off and we receive a new body, we'll be with him forever, we'll live forever, there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, he'll wipe away every tear. We'll experience that. The battle that we have, like when I talked about the sins that you struggle with, it's a battle, isn't it? And if we're honest with ourselves, we're not doing too good in that battle. But that battle will be over. Now, here's the thing. If I'm going to live the life that he wants me to live, and I'm not going to go with the flow and live ignorantly and just do whatever I want to do, thinking I'm okay, the reality is, is that you need to grasp that there's something more for you later on. That you're only here temporarily. And that your hope is at a destination later. And because you have that hope, you can take control of your mind and live the way that he wants you to live right now. You can live soberly, taking control of your desires and your actions. Take control. It's possible. You can live the life God wants you to live. In fact, he tells you to. Because that's what verse 14 through 16 talk about. Verse 14 through 16 talk about personal holiness, which I'm going to be honest with you folks, I've been a pastor now over 20 years. I've been a believer over 30. We kind of go from one extreme to another. I can remember when I first got saved, there was the big list of do's and don'ts. Now we've swung completely over to the other side is just love Jesus, Jesus loves you, do whatever you want to do, Jesus loves you. We've got to swing back to a balance. Not legalism, but not license either. But holiness. So notice what he says with me. Okay, let's look at verse 14, 15 and 16. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to your former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to see three things about personal holiness that you and I need to grasp, okay? Now, these are not three rules. Actually, can I be honest with you? That would be easy. If I just got up here and said, hey, folks, I'm going to give you 10 things that you should not do for personal holiness, that would seem easy. Oh, by the way, I think God already did that. It's called the Ten Commandments, right? How good are we at doing that? Not good. So here's what personal holiness is from these verses. You do not have to live in ignorance that is driven by your desires. That's what he's saying here in verse 14. 
as obedient children, when you respond to him, because of the grace that's shown to you, you take control of your mind. You live soberly, taking control of your actions. You're resting your hope on the gospel, on the salvation that is to come. You don't have to live ignorantly right now being driven by whatever your desires are. You don't have to. You say, well, George, that's not easy. I've tried that. I mean, I've tried. I've said to myself, I, I mean, I've done this. I've woke up in the morning. First thing that comes out of my mind is, Lord, I'm going to do something different today. I am not going to give in to whatever I want to do. I'm just going to do what you want me to do. And you know what? I go to bed in the evening defeated. I understand that. But it doesn't have to be that way. See, because here's the thing. If I do what he's telling me to do to take control, yes, at first, it's going to be difficult, but if you work at it, sooner or later, it just becomes a part of your life. Do you know what I mean? Like, for instance, okay, if I told you folks that I have been moved by God to become a piano player, he spoke to me last night at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm actually a closet child prodigy, okay? <laughs> okay, Brad, all right. And so I said, you know, I'm going to do my first gospel song here tonight with you folks. You would say, George, please sit down. Please give it over to somebody who knows what they're doing, right? You don't expect me to just get up and walk over there and start playing that thing like I know what I'm doing. Because first of all, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know what the keys are. However, if you have somebody you want to teach piano to, what do you do with them? You have to what? Take them for what, folks? Classes, lessons. They have to learn theory, okay? They have to understand what the parts are and how to play it. And after they practice a while, right, practice a while, then let them play, right? Okay, so we have some folks here who run half marathons, who run. What if I said, I, you know, God told me this morning, I'm to do a marathon tomorrow. We're going to start here on the trail. We're going to run it, whatever. What, I don't even know how, how long is a marathon. Okay, 20, well, Okay. All right, so you would show up. <laughs> okay. You would show up, and I'm, I'm already, you say, you, you, that starting gun, and I go, and, and a half a mile later, you pick me up on the side of the road because I crashed. You don't expect that, right? Does anybody do that? No. They have to what? Exercise. Work at it. That's the Christian life, my friends. Listen. He says to you in personal holiness, don't live your desire, don't live in ignorance by your desires. And he tells you how to do that. Take control of your mind, live soberly, rest your hope. Now that doesn't mean immediately tomorrow, okay, I'm going to do it. We're going to pick you up on the side of the road like you would pick me up if I was running that marathon. 100 feet down. But you pick yourself up. And you keep going on. 
Isn't it interesting that God describes the Christian life like walking? Psalm 37. I told you it's my favorite psalm. Steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord and he delights in them. Though he yet stumble, he will not utterly be cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. God's right there to pick you up, brush you off, tell you keep going. You ever notice the issue isn't how to run the race, the issue is finishing the race in the Bible. The issue isn't how you run the race, the issue is finishing the race. So you stumble, you pick yourself up. First thing you do in personal holiness is, is you move to the place where you are no longer living your life driven by your desires because that's just ignorance. Okay, here's the second thing. He tells us here. You can pursue personal holiness. That's the second point he's making here. When he says in verse 14, excuse me, but in verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. He is basically saying that it is possible for you to be the person God wants you to be, to live the way God wants you to live. So you've got to have that in your mind. It's not conforming yourself to a list of rules, but it's being the person that he wants you to be. You can do that. You can do that. But here's the problem. Can I, can I tell you what the problem is? Some of us, we got a wrong concept of God. What do you mean? Well, we've got either one concept that's wrong or the other concept that's wrong. On one hand, we've got this concept that God has got is this terrible taskmaster who sets these rules that nobody can keep, and he's just waiting to punish me. That's some of you here today. You've been defeated by whatever it is that you have been doing that is wrong, that's sin, and you just think God is waiting to destroy you for it. And in fact, you're convinced that he's waiting to destroy you because you're going through something right now that is a punishment for whatever you think it is. That's one extreme. Here's the other extreme. God is just love, love. And he's like the parent who lets their child, you ever met, ever met a parent like this? Because they love their child, they let their child do whatever they want to do. In fact, if their child gets in trouble, it's really not their child's fault, it's somebody else's fault. And so that's the concept of God. God God's just going to let you do whatever. First of all, the rest of us would say that parent is nuts, right? If, a, if we think a parent is nuts for being that, why do we have a concept that God's like that? He's not. He's not the other extreme where he's ready to squash you. He's not the extreme where he just lets you do whatever he wants you to do. He calls you to holiness to be the person that he wants you to be, not driven by your lusts of your desires of what you want to do. Because lust there doesn't just mean sexual lust. It means lust, like maybe you saw that new truck and you have to have it. You know, or you're out hunting and you see that deer. And you got to have it. 
No, you can pursue personal holiness. That's what he's saying here. So finally, here's what he says. This is something you have to do. You have to grasp this truth. This is the truth he wants you to grasp. God, who is holy, calls you to be holy as well. God, who is holy, calls you to be holy as well. All right, so what am I, what am I saying? How do you, how do you, what do you do with that? What do you, what do you, I mean, that's the truth. You're telling me how I'm supposed to live personally holiness, and well, that's not telling me anything. That's just telling me what I already know. What do you do with that? Well, you let it guide you. You let it guide you. What do you mean, let it guide you? Well, I'll give you an example. I've used this before with you folks. I'll use it again with you. So, okay, so I grew up in the home of George Ray Cannon Sr. That's my daddy, all right? My daddy was a military man, career military man, and a, an authoritative dad. So we had rules in the house, okay? And one of the rules in my house, and I can remember having this rule in my house up until the time I left home, was you had to be in by 11 o'clock at night. And I argued with my daddy about that. I said, Dad, you know, Dad, I'm 18 years old now. You, you're living in my house. You ought to be here at 11 o'clock. Because if you're not in here, because anybody out after 11, they're just getting in trouble. Now, I did not want to tell him that you can get in trouble before 11, okay? Because I knew, okay? But there were certain things that I didn't do simply because being a canon, you didn't do them. Now, you know what I'm talking about? You grew up in a home where there were certain things that you couldn't do simply because of who you were, what family you came from. You didn't go over there and do that. You didn't, you didn't act that way, you know what I'm saying? Because you were told that you don't, nobody does that, okay? You had a guiding principle to guide you. And so that guided you. Now, I'll be honest with you, in my case, it was a guiding principle driven by one thing, fear. Fear of who? George Ray Cannon Sr. God calls you to a guiding principle. I'm holy, therefore you be holy. But you don't need to be driven by fear with that. You actually to be driven by hope with that. What do you mean hope? Because he's given you everything you need to be able to do it. So as you get up in the morning and you decide that you're going to live the way that he wants you to live, and yes, you may stumble, but remember what it says, though he yet stumbled, the Lord upholds him with his hands. Isn't that what David said? You can what? Have hope. God, you call me to be holy. I can be holy because you call me and you'll help me to be holy. You see it? All right, what do we do with this? Because we've got to wrap this up. Okay? Here's what we've got to do. Here's the thing. First thing. Number one, acknowledge what is driving your life. You've got to acknowledge what's driving your life. Some of you... I'm going to be honest with you. You just got to acknowledge it. It's my job that's driving my life. I want to climb the ladder. Some of you, it's my kids. 
I'll do whatever they need to do for them. And that's all noble. The job thing's even noble. But you've got to acknowledge whatever it is. It's my goal. I want to achieve this. It's this. It's not. And, and you know what I'm saying? It's my hobby. Some of you are driven by your hobbies. Some of you are driven by your lusts and addictions. That's why you keep ending up in the same place with the same sins. You fill in the blank. But if you're going to go not live in ignorance by going with the flow, you've got to do the first step. And the first step is you've got to acknowledge what's driving you, what's motivating you. You've got to acknowledge what's driving you in your life. Here's the second thing. Take control of your mind and live the life that God has purposed for you. That's where it starts. You got to take control of your mind. Some of you got to quit feeding it with garbage. Seriously. Quit feeding it with garbage. Oh, there you go. You're going to tell me not to watch TV. I didn't tell you not to watch TV. There's some very good things on TV. But you know what you can handle and what you can't handle. You know what causes you to do things and not cause you to do things. So like yesterday, we dropped off dropped off uh, Sawyer at Penn College for him to begin his degree program there. And uh, Lori's driving in a vehicle ahead of me, and, and I'm driving in a vehicle behind her, and I'm, I'm listening to the radio. And yeah, I've already told you I like classic rock, so I'm scanning through, because I don't know what the stations are around there in the Williamsport area. I'm scanning through stations, and I come to the classic rock station, and it's got Sammy Hagar on there saying, I can't drive 55. So guess what Pastor George is doing? Driving 55? No! I'm allowing the influence to influence my gas pedal foot. You know what I'm saying? What you feed your mind with dictates things. You've got to take control of your mind. And then you can live the life God calls you to. Let me pray for you.